This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And just a little bit ago, and this is a historic first, but not the kind, certainly, that President Trump wants or I think deserves. He has now become the first American president in history to get a mugshot. This, to me, is shameful. Here it is. He goes down to Fulton County, Georgia. He has to turn himself in along with separately at different times throughout this week, the 18 other co-defendants, including attorneys who are just representing him. What is happening to America? And we're going to talk about that tonight on the Rita Cosby Show. This, to me, is an outrage. It is an abomination of the judicial system. It's an abuse of the judicial system. How could you have justice in America and you're in a position where you bring for the very first time in American history a former U.S. president? It's the first time that a former or current U.S. president ever gets a mugshot. He gets booked. He gets a booking number. Treated like, uh, you know, worse than somebody who murdered people in New York City. I mean, you think about it, Alvin Bragg would be like, hey, don't worry about it. Come back uh, whenever you want. If something happened in New York City, unless your name is Trump, then it'd be like, oh, you jaywalked. Come on in. But now we are seeing what I think is just an incredible abuse of the system. And what also makes me really disgusted tonight is you see some of the folks at CNN and MSNBC, they're like cheering. They're gleeful. They're like, isn't this great? Here's the mugshot. And Donald Trump looks angry in the mugshot. He doesn't look like a happy guy in the mugshot. I didn't know if he would be sort of smiling or what his expression would be. But you can bet that he's probably also going to be able to fundraise on the mugshot He's probably going to have the mugshot on T-shirts. It's going to be on billboards. It's going to be on uh, coffee mugs. Uh, you can see it because it is so over the top. And I don't think there's anything in terms of glee to be cheering on at this moment. And when I see MSNBC, I walk by, I thought, boy, these anchors on MSNBC must have gotten some, uh, maybe they won like a new car. Oh, no, they were just smiling because they were so happy to be able to put on a mugshot of Donald Trump on TV. And that, to me, is so sad, and it is so indicative of where some in the media are tonight. They are so in the tank. I'd love to know how many stories have they done on Hunter Biden. 
How many stories have they done of even the new news that Hunter Biden apparently went on Air Force Two, which is taxpayer money, 13 different countries? Where are all the stories about that? Why are they not kind of going, boy, this looks pretty bad? But no, they think seeing President Trump in a mugshot looking angry, looking perturbed as he should be at what I think is a complete injustice, uh, they seem to be gleeful and cheering at this moment as if they won the grand prize in, you know, Powerball this week. And that, to me, is a sad testament of where we are in the media, and it's a sad testament of where we are just in America today. So President Trump goes down there, and in sort of classic Trump style, you know, he puts out the memo saying this is what's going to happen. He's going to go down there. He's going to be down there around 730 and get ready, everybody. Basically, buckle up. I'm going to be there and just letting you know, alerting the world that this is about to happen. And he said 730. This is the moment of injustice, if you will, with Fulton County Fanny. Now, that is, of course, Fulton County is the county of Atlanta. And this is this local D.A., who has taken it upon herself to say, I'm going to basically be the first person to get President Trump in a mugshot, to get him booked, to give him a booking number. I mean, this is obviously a complete indignant behavior. This is a way to just say, I want to try to embarrass this guy. I want to try to bring him down. I just don't like him politically. I want to go after him, and I want to do it sort of every which way but loose. This is to me an abomination of justice. It is a sad moment in American history. And it's a sad moment, I think, for Fulton County. That that is what they're going to be remembered for as being the people who have decided to take it upon themselves and sort of be the initiators of this. And who knows? Are there going to be other counties across America that are going to say, well, Fulton County did it. I'm going to do it in Arizona. I'm going to do it in Nevada. I'm going to do it in... uh some tiny little place, you know, wherever across America, they're going to take it upon themselves. This, to me, is an outright shameful moment. And I don't know how we ever turn the clock back. How do we turn the clock back? What is your reaction to all of this? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And in the middle of all this, the DA there, Fannie Willis, is seeking an October 23rd trial date. Now, originally, she came up with a trial date that was right around Super Tuesday. It was literally the day before Super Tuesday, which is one of the biggest contests in the election cycle. You can't make it up. It's like 15 states plus American Samoa. So let's figure out the biggest day, and let's suddenly just have him show up. He's got to show up that day before. That's really going to mess with his campaign schedule and everything else. But now she has changed the clock to say she wants it in October. That would be a judicial miracle. Can you imagine just how cumbersome it is when you have a one defendant and you've got 18 co-defendants? The first one, of course, is a former president of the United States. And you're trying to rush it so suddenly it's going to happen on October 23rd, literally right around the corner. That's nothing from a judicial schedule just for one defendant, let alone 18 other defendants. And they got to juggle their schedule. They got to juggle the lawyers. They got to juggle all the paperwork. 
it ain't going to happen. But it just shows she can't wait to do anything she can to President Trump. This is like her mark on history. It's her 15 seconds of fame. And it, boy, is a sad testament to where we are. What are your thoughts as you are hearing that President Trump has now been booked? There is a mugshot, just like the sheriff there in Atlanta vowed that everybody who comes through his doors, even if you're the president of the United States, you get a mugshot. So you got the mugshot. You got a booking number. And for some reason, they're doing victory laps. To me, it is a sad day in American justice. And President Trump, here is his statement that he puts before the booking. And then we're going to play the comment that he made when he came out. Because, of course, he had to make a comment coming out. But on the way in, he says, uh, talks about the views that he got first off for the interview that he did with Tucker Carlson. Because he did that big interview with Tucker that was the counter-programming to the debate. Of course, if you were listening here on the Rita Cosby Show last night... Uh, me and my buddy Dominic Carter and also Andrew Giuliani and Anthony Weiner, we just played you the highlights because I, I know you guys are all so busy. So we were just doing the home runs, and it was so much fun going through it with all of you. But President Trump says the interview he did with Tucker, which we played quite a bit of last night, including that wild comment about Jeffrey Epstein, that was a wild one. That one I didn't see coming. That I didn't see on my card, on my uh, ticket card. I didn't see that one. But he said that so far, this is what he claims, 231 million views. That was as of a few hours ago, that interview. And he says, and still counting, the biggest video on social media ever. And he says, please excuse me, because I have to start getting ready to head down to Atlanta. <laughs> Forget the interview. I got to go down and get booked. You know, I got to get a mugshot. Can you imagine this? Uh, where murder and other violent crimes have reached record levels like never seen before. And I have to get arrested by the radical left, low-life district attorney Fannie Willis for a perfect phone call and having the audacity to challenge what he says was a rigged and stolen election. The evidence, he says, is irrefutable. Uh, arrest time, 7.30 p.m. Leave it to Trump to say, hey, Buckle up. It's happening at 7.30 p.m. So he goes in. He gets booked, goes through this jail, which has had a lot of problems, by the way. They are under investigation for a lot of the conditions and everything else. But it's good enough to book President Trump. And then he comes out and take a listen to what he said on the departure after he becomes the first president with a booking number and a mugshot. It's a very sad day for America. This should never happen challenge an election, you should be able to challenge an election. I thought the election was a rigged election, a stolen election, and I should have every right to do that. As you know, you have many people that you've been watching over the years do the same thing, whether it's Hillary Clinton or Stacey Abrams or many others. When you uh, have that great freedom to challenge, you have to be able to, otherwise you're going to have very dishonest elections. What has taken place here is a travesty of justice. We did nothing wrong. I did nothing wrong. And everybody knows it. I've never had such support. And that goes with the other ones, too. What they're doing is election interference. They're trying to interfere with an election. There's never been anything like it in our country before. This is their way of campaigning. And this is one instance, but you have three other instances. It's election interference. So I want to thank you for being here. We did nothing wrong at all. And we have every right, every single right, 
to challenge an election that we think is dishonest, that we think it's very dishonest. So thank you all very much, and I'll see you uh, very soon. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, very dishonest. I can't believe I just got a mugshot. I'm the former president of the United States. By the way, you do a mugshot typically so you can have a record on file to know what this person looks like. It's usually done traditionally if somebody is a flight risk and you're worried, okay, where is this person going to go? I got to see what I'll, Bob Jones looks like. You know, so you can go, well, everybody, there's an APB out for Bob Jones. Is there anybody out there who actually thinks that President Donald Trump could hide anywhere in the world. Is there anyone who could think he could walk down a street and no one's going to notice him, even if he had like a purple wig on? Uh, I, for some reason, think he would stand out. So to get a mugshot is obviously a gratuitous, ridiculous move. And even when this happened in New York, even Alvin Bragg, Mr. Soft on Crime DA Alvin Bragg, even he agreed to an electronic one that they actually sent down one, remember, that was on file because there's tons of pictures. I think they could find a whole bunch of pictures to show here's what President Trump looks like. So even he agreed to have something sent electronically. Remember, at first it was, oh, is there going to be a mugshot? Is there going to be this? And, and, And all of a sudden, okay, he did it, which is a much more respectful way and an obvious way. Everybody knows what the guy looks like. Maybe you need something just to say, okay, I have something on record. All right, so here's the shot I'm going to give you. So in this case, no, 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 no. We have to actually book you. And they put the little, you know, sheriff seal on it, the jail seal on it. This is an unbelievable, outrageous moment in history. I want to hear your thoughts of where we go from here and your reaction to the fact that it's Fulton County, Georgia, decides they're going to take it upon themselves and decide to book the former president of the United States, treating him like, uh, not, I can't say a common criminal because there's a revolving door there. So I would say a, uh, uh an unusual criminal in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, because a common criminal would get back out on the street after like 30 or 40 different offenses in Atlanta and in New York and in LA and in so many of these soft on crime cities across the country. 1-800-848-9222. And we'll take your calls when we come back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's the Rita Cosby Show. No, I'm waiting for the chorus because this fits tonight. If anybody is still standing, it's Donald Trump. Here it is. Don't you know I'm still standing? 
tribute song to the DA Fanny Willis and Georgia and probably to all the different DAs around the country that are saying uh wait 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 can we get a mugshot too this is a incredible surreal and sad moment in American history and yeah he is still standing and if any of those democrats uh that are watching this say oh this is a great moment uh be sure to uh be aware that politics change and the tables could turn. And think about also any of those Republicans that were at the debate last night that are thinking, okay, well, they're pointing the finger at Trump. If they were ahead by 40, 50 points, depending on the different polls, they'd be going after them too if they were worried that they could somehow topple uh, them at the White House and remove them from 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. There's no doubt in my mind. They obviously don't like Trump, but they fear Trump. They are worried. They see that his base is still strong after all this and that he's still standing as the song goes. What are your thoughts about what I think is a sad moment in history? And I think it really is pathetic that there are many members in the media who are just cheering tonight going, boy, I hit the lottery. 1-800-848-9. Two, two, two. Let's go to Lenny on line three. Lenny, your thoughts. Hey, Rita, how are you? I'm good. I, what, uh, what do you think? This is this is really. I feel like I'm in like like a like a weird movie. I mean, if somebody said the leading candidate's going to be, uh, you know, uh, arrested, he's going to be booked, and here's the mugshot, he's prisoner number blank blank blank. I'd go what? This this is like a Twilight Zone. What's going on? This country is the golden star of the world. And I think this has been in the making for at least 50 or 60 years, looking to take over this country and destroy our Constitution. And Donald Trump was right. President Trump was right when he said he's just in the way of them getting us. What has happened is it is an absolute embarrassment for this country. And we have to make sure that we all do the right thing and vote for Donald Trump when he runs again and when he takes that seat. Another thing that's really sad is, They will rear their heads again. I don't know what to do to change the minds of these, let's call them communists, because they're certainly not, they're not Kennedy Democrats. And how do you keep them down? How do you keep them from doing this again in 10 or 15 years, you know? Yeah, that's a great point. But listen, uh, Lenny, if he makes it to the White House, and of course that's completely up to voters in America, but if he makes it to the White House, uh, that would be basically the best revenge of all that this plan didn't work by them. You know, that could be the proof in the pudding, Lenny. That could, that could be it. But you're right because you want to make sure, uh, that they realize this is way over the top. Uh, let's go to Marie, line four. Marie, your thoughts. Thank you, Rita, for taking my call. I hope this horrible situation will rally citizens to defend and support Trump and return America we once knew under his presidency. You know what? And I think if you look at the polls, every time this happens, he goes up and up and up. And I think the Democrats are shaking their head going, I can't believe he's still standing. What else do we do? What else do we do? They're scratching their heads tonight going, oh, no. 
Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which I love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, because we get to honor our brave men and women in law enforcement. This one, a powerful story coming from Wilbraham, Massachusetts, where an officer there, Mark Harris, was honored for saving the life uh, of a couple. And it's a pretty dramatic story. There was a report of two people entering the water on an inflatable raft. And this officer, Mark Harris, got the call. Now, it happened as a result of recent heavy rains in the area. The calling party was particularly concerned about the couple's safety since river conditions were particularly dangerous due to very high water levels. Now, the couple was located floating in the river near the intersection of two spillways from the hydro dam. And when the raft began to float away, the man jumped overboard in an attempt to swim the raft to shore. Now, due to a very strong current, he became entangled in the raft's anchor and was pulled underwater. What a scary moment. So while putting his own safety aside, Officer Harris entered the dangerous waters. He swam out to the couple as they were being carried downstream. Now, in reaching the raft, he calmed the man uh, that was entangled in the anchor of the raft. He insisted him. And he got him disengaged from the anchor and he brought him and the raft and the woman to shore. What an amazing story and what a dramatic, dramatic moment. Um, He also made sure that they were okay, got them to safety, made sure they were taken to the hospital. Amazingly, they were brought there just to be looked at. And no one was actually injured from this incident, uh, not the couple and also not the officer. What an amazing, amazing story. So an award was presented, needless to say, to this heroic officer. And the award read that because of his great courage in this incident, he no doubt saved both of those individuals, especially the man who was wrapped up in the anchor. Uh, his actions are commendable and nothing short of heroic. Wow, what a powerful, powerful story. And we always love honoring our great men and women in blue. Well, tonight we are talking about what I think is a very sad moment in American history. And this is coming as Fannie Willis there in Georgia is trying to push the case as quick as she can. Uh, by the way, just a little bit ago, Donald Trump posted the mugshot on his website, on his social media. In fact, he went on Twitter. It's the first time he's been on Twitter, uh, pretty much in a long, long time. X is, is called X. Um, so he posts it. Here I am. You know, only Donald Trump can turn it into like this, like moment of like, Hey, look what they're doing to me. But I think it has just become so transparent and so over the top. He also had to post $200,000 bond. Uh, guess what? I think he's good for the money. I would say uh, maybe he'd just take a sliver out of one of the hotels and that would be able to put it up. I think he has enough things to put up as collateral. But what a sad moment in history. And where do you think all of this is going? Here is what conservative Molly Hemingway had to say a little bit ago about what's happening, not just about Donald Trump, but the fact that some of the others that are also arrested include, like his attorney, Rudy Giuliani, also John Eastman, a number of others, uh, that they are not just going after Trump. They're going after anybody 
who defends him and represents him to make it so they don't want to go after, they don't want to help him anymore. I mean, obviously, they're not changing their mind. They are still supporting the president. But that's what the Democrats are trying to do. And that's why when I use this phrase, it's un-American. To represent somebody because they said this is what should happen, this is the idea that we propose, just because other attorneys said something different, but because that justifies, I mean, how many times you go to somewhere, you do something and somebody says, well, I think you should do this. And someone else says, I think you should do that. And you take a different advice. You don't always have to take, you know, one person's advice over the other. You went one different direction. You got guided. And as a result of that, they're going after the attorneys. This is a really sad day in America. And this is what Molly Hemingway had to say, not just about what's happening to Trump, but to everybody else, all those other 18 other co-defendants who had to turn themselves in by noon tomorrow. We are seeing something really horrible here in America. We used to be known as a place where we did not prosecute political opponents, where we did not believe that the way to handle political opposition was the way that the Soviet Union handled it, or the way that Putin handles it, of politically persecuting one's opponents. What's happening with Democrats, not just in Atlanta, but also at the Department of Justice and also at the New York Attorney's General, at New York Attorney General Office, is to prosecute the political opponents of the ruling regime. This is a very dark moment. It's a very serious thing. And it's actually also very important that everybody who cares about this country and cares about rule of law and not handling things like we're a third world country or the Soviet Union of the 1980s, um, that they speak against this and stand strong and defend what makes America great. And that is what makes America great, that we're different than these banana republics like what you see. This is what you see. In these other countries, you know, oh, I don't like that person. You know, we're going to jail them. We're going to lock them up. You know, I mean, this is so crazy. I mean, we are like, uh, you know, we are in truly uncharted territories. This is what you do in Venezuela. This is what you do in these countries where they don't want any dissent. Not in the greatest country of the world, which is this great United States of America. And here is what Mike Davis of the Article 3 Project had to say about this moment and also the fact of what they're trying to do right before, of course, in the thick of the campaigns. Here it is. This is happening with the debate last night. This is happening. We've got all of the caucuses coming up and everything else. Uh, this is a complete disgrace of what they're trying to do and the fact they're doing it right now with election season underway. Uh, this is outrageous. Here we have another Democrat prosecutor in another Democrat hellhole dragging a former president and a leading presidential candidate in to indict him and book him and to take a mugshot for the non-crime of objecting to a presidential election, which is allowed by the Electoral Count Act of 1887. Twisting political arms is allowed by the First Amendment to charge racketeering here is laughable. And I hope President Trump's legal team immediately files a motion to dismiss. He has presidential immunity for his acts as the president of the United States. Alternatively, as a private citizen, the First Amendment protects his actions. This is lawless. This is Democrat lawfare. This is election interference. Is this election interference at its height? 1-800-848-9222. What are your thoughts and where is this headed? Let's go to Larry. Line six. Larry, your thoughts. Oh, really, there's so much to say. I think we're not focusing on the right thing. Um, 
it's obvious that they're they're doing something wrong. The question is, these actors didn't just come on the scene. They've been Americans for a long time. They went through the same, uh, I, a lot of times, Ivy League processes. J.D. Raskin got a J.D. from Yale. I mean, the question is, why are they doing this, okay? There's obviously tremendous criminality that's behind the scenes that they're trying to derail a future prosecution of. The more they can keep Republicans out of office, the more those, you know, those famous statute of limitations that we see expired in one of Hunter Biden's crimes, the more those will run. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to forestall a Republican administration. Now, this criminality goes all the way up to uh, President Obama. When he put all those that cash on the plane to Iran, you don't think he took major handfuls to the tune of millions and millions of dollars that he has stashed away somewhere. That's why Biden stole, because he saw Obama steal. Biden's been in politics for 30 years. This is the first time he did it. Why? As, as vice president. By the way, Larry, Larry, and Larry, I rarely defend Obama, but I don't think there's any images of him like stuffing cash from those pallets. Although I will say, Larry, uh, it was very uh, suspicious sending it in uh, cash over those pallets, remember, and it was in the dead of night. They didn't tell anybody they were sending the money to Iran. I mean, of all places to send it to. And that was certainly a uh, a dirty deal, um, especially for the American public. I mean, but I don't know if I saw any images. It wasn't like Sandy Berger. Remember Sandy Berger, who's putting the, the secrets, the classified documents in his like uh, stuffing them in his underwear, I think, in his socks. Uh, I don't think we saw images of, of Obama doing that. But but I think your point, Larry, is is a really good one. The timing of all this. And if you look at the timing of so many of these legal actions that have happened with Trump, it's like this new revelation comes out about Hunter a day or two later. This happens with Trump. This happens here a day or two later. And in fact, when everything was happening with Hunter, when all this stuff was exploding just even a few weeks ago, I remember um, we had Andy McCarthy on and I said to Andy, what's going to happen next? He said, well, the next thing is they'll find some new indictment against Trump. And sure enough, it was like 24 hours later, here's an indictment to kind of take it off, not only uh, to deflect from criminal, but also the media. There's so many issues. And you're right, Larry. So, so let me ask you, what do you think the Republicans need to do to counter this so they don't take their eye off the other issue, which is clearly heating up on the Hunter Biden side, Larry? Um, to counter these indictments? No, to, I'm talking about. I'm talking about to make sure it doesn't get covered. It doesn't get you know bombarded, overshadowed. Get what? What overshadowed? I'm, I'm talking. I'm talking. I'm talking. About, yes, I'm talking about the fact that clearly the Republicans are looking right now at everything tied to Hunter Biden and well, tied to Joe Biden. Have, you know, and and yet they, you know the media is focused so much on everything going on. Uh, with Trump. It's Trump, 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 Trump. Uh, how do you get the oxygen out and how do they make sure that they keep their eye on the prize and not get, you know, not get so focused on all the Trump stuff, but really keep their eye on the prize and the bank records on some of the things that have been coming out that are downright damning to the current sitting president of the United States? Well, the, the only thing they could do is keep this, keep doing what they're doing, <clears throat> keep this in the public eye and fight these indictments until it hopefully comes up to the Supreme Court 
where hopefully we won't have any justices intimidated into doing the right thing, because all these indictments are going to go going to blow away once they hit federal court. Now, just to, just to say one more thing about what you said about Obama, uh, you were the one that talked about lifestyle inferences as inferences of criminality. Where did he get all this money? He didn't go on speaking tours like Bill Clinton did. He didn't establish foundations. What, where did he get these ma- mansions from that he's living in? And, and he's uh, multi-millions. Where did he get it from? Actually, he did make quite a bit of money on his book. He did have a book deal that was extremely successful. He did do some speeches, but he made a lot of money. He and Michelle, because they both did big, huge book de- deals. They were like record-breaking. Uh, and by the way, I'm not I'm not saying you're wrong, but I don't know. Uh, we don't know yet. We haven't seen those kind of allegations. But Joe Biden at the time didn't have a book at the time. Also, it was living as we just talked about. Thank you for bringing up the lifestyle stuff, because that is extremely important. And I think at the end of the day, Larry, once these bank records come out that Comer is looking for, he's gotten some, but he says he's going to get a whole bunch more. And if he can prove that, like, money went suddenly into the house or went into paying the house off for X years, you know, payments or whatever, uh, that's where I think some of it's going to go. It may, I don't think, given the fact they use burner phones and shell companies, that we're going to see that it ended up in some direct bank account, unless it's under the name of Robert L. Peters or J.R.B. Ware. It could be that, one of uh, Biden's aliases. Uh, Larry, thank you. You are awesome. Thank you very, very much. Let's go to Robert, line two. Robert, your thoughts on where this is headed? Um, well, it's interesting. Uh, President Trump, for the first time you mentioned in more than two years, he posted on Twitter, AKX, is his picture of him, the mugshot. It says, election interference, never surrender, exclamation point, DonaldTrump.com. So I'm really proud of our president and that God doesn't protect him. And, um, you know, um, there have been other very famous people, great people who have been arrested in history. You have uh, Martin Luther King Jr., Gandhi. Um, so he's in some great companies. With, and, uh, but are, you, are, you, are you comparing Trump to MLK and Gandhi? Well, you know, Dinesta Shuza had a tweet we had a picture of Martin Luther King, who was arrested at one point. And, uh, but, you know, Donald Trump has done a lot for his country to try to improve the quality of life for the people here. And, um, you know, he's being persecuted. And, um, you know, I'm really upset at the Republicans because, you know, both at the federal level and in the state of Georgia, Georgia is supposed to have a Republican uh, governor there and, Supposed to have a Senate there in Georgia and a House of Representatives in Georgia that are Republican controlled. And in the federal level, you know, Kevin McCarthy is supposed to be the Speaker of the House. He's supposed to have a Republican control of the House of Representatives. And, you know, when Trump wanted to build a wall, you know, uh, what's, you know, the, at that point, uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi, she shut down the government. She insisted she would not give money to fund the wall. So, you know, if Kevin McCarthy, why isn't he insist you don't you stop these federal prosecutions of Trump or there'll be no money? Or in Georgia, why don't they? they, they they're controlling uh, the executive branch and the legislature. So many of the Republicans are, you know, not necessarily so much better than the Democrats. At least the Democrats. And, and, and Robert, and Robert, you saw it even last night in the debate. I mean, the Republican Party is so divided. You You hit a great point because. Many of them are, you know, either anti-Trump or going their own way. It seems like the Democrats, when they're on a mission, they stick together. 
And you're right. Uh, a lot of the Democrat, the Republicans, I think, you know, they know. I think if Trump got in power, that they might not be uh, still in office, you know, or they may not make it to the White House uh, in a cabinet position, or they may not uh, be the person who Trump would say, hey, I'll uh, let you keep uh, doing the good old boys network and, you know, and doing these big uh, defense contracts or whatever else, uh, the whole deep state thing. And I think they just want to keep the system going and would rather have a Democrat who would keep the system going than somebody even in their own party who would blow it up and maybe do the right things for the American public. That's sad to say, but I think that that's the truth. Uh, Robert, thank you very much. We're going to continue your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. It's The Rita Cosby Show. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And coming up in the next hour on the Rita Cosby Show, we were just talking about the deep state. And people sort of involved in staying in government perpetually or lobbyists and all that stuff. And in the next hour, we're going to talk about the debate, the first GOP primary debate and who you think won the night. Who are the winners? Who are the losers? Uh, now that we're getting to absorb it all, I was uh, watching it and covering it with all of you. I watched it again last night. I stayed up till the wee hours. And, boy, I've been watching highlights today. I have some definite opinions, but I want to hear your thoughts. But as we're talking about going after those who are wrapped up in big money, that was one of the points that Vivek Ramaswamy had last night that got under, I think, everybody's skin. Take a listen. Remember this moment? Let us be honest as Republicans. I'm the only person on the stage who isn't bought and paid for, so I can say this. The climate change oh, agenda whoa, 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 whoa. is a That's hoax. Ridiculous. The climate this change is agenda ridiculous. is a hoax. And we have to declare independence for it. And the reality is, the anti-carbon agenda is the wet blanket on our economy. And so the reality is, more people are dying of bad climate change policies than they are of actual climate change. Governor- Wow. Do you think he was the big winner uh, or do you think he's just so way out there? I'm hearing mixed opinions tonight. I've heard some people go, wow, wow, wow. hands down, it was Vivek. And then I've heard other people go, uh, Vivek was like, uh, like trying to kill every different direction of government. Like there'll be nothing standing. So I want to get your thoughts after the break. 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let's go to Stan, line four. Stan, uh, what do you think? I know you've got something to say about orange man bad, right? Orange man got a mug shot. Now, wait a orange minute. man talk- got booked. Uh, <laughs> can I talk after the break? Uh, no, Stan. Oh, come on, honey, oh, please. Stan, Stan, you got two minutes. Please, go ahead. Please. All right, oh, all right. Stanny, you all got right. two minutes. Come oh, on, Stan. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Mommy, can I have two more minutes? No. Uh, look. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, Brett Baer and Marmot McCallum were the winners last night. The rest, I mean, they were pretty good. The rest stunk. Uh, by the way, uh, he went today to Georgia. 
did what he was supposed to do, take the picture, do the uh, fingerprints, and kept his mouth shut. And that's what he needs to do. He may be, I'm telling you, he could get off if he keeps his mouth shut. I don't want him to get off because he's guilty of all these things. But if he keeps his mouth shut like he did in Georgia, and she means business, this DA, he has a shot. Doesn't say anything. I'll have to testify sooner or later. But the thing last night, I didn't make much of it at all. Uh, I thought Bamaswamy Dimmy Dammy, whatever. I can't say his name. <laughs> Vivek Ramaswamy. Kuzunheit. <laughs> Kuzunheit. No, but I'm saying, I mean, uh, well, I know he says he doesn't want to support Israel. And as far as I'm concerned, that ends it for me. I, I, he's nowhere, nowhere. He's got a lot of money, and that's good. But uh, you know who has a shot? What's her name? Nikki Haley. If she can, uh, you know, she was good. I thought yeah. she had some good moments. I, yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah, uh, the guy on the far right with the broken leg. I think he needs to. Uh, <laughs> nice guy, but no, he's a nice guy. He was a nice guy, but he looked like he didn't want to be there. Or well, something. he got. I guess if you have an Achilles uh, torn Achilles, yeah, exactly. Yeah. By, the way, then, he, by the way, he did get more attention for the torn ligament than uh, yeah. the rest of his campaign. But, but I think, but Mike a smart Pence, guy, Mike Pence. Uh, actually opened his mouth for once, I think, you know, and he'll have to go after Trump. He has to if he's going to make any dent. He has to, and he'll testify, and that could hurt him, but I think... Hey, Stan, Stan, may uh, I go to a break? You may hear anything you want. <laughs> I love you, Stan. Thank you. You're so funny. That You just heard Stan's assessment. Orange man good because he didn't talk, and everybody else good because they're trying to topple orange man. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Trump said, we did nothing wrong. That was his message when he walked out of an Atlanta, Georgia jail just a little bit ago. It is an incredible moment because he had to surrender because of the charges against him there in Fulton County. And the fact that there is now a mugshot of the 45th president of the United States is just almost surreal. But sadly, it's been par for the course. And I don't count out that other counties across the country say, gosh, Fannie Willis got all this attention. She got a mugshot out of Trump. Who's to say that they're not going to be trying to say, well, maybe this was what happened in Arizona. This is what happened in Nevada. There may be more charges still coming. He hasn't he doesn't have 90 charges. I mean, he has 90 something, but he doesn't have 100 yet. So I think the Democrats want at least 100 against him, as opposed to 700 years behind bars. They would like to see 900 or 1,000 years behind bars. 700 years behind bars is not enough. I mean, this is just, it is so ludicrous, and it is so crazy and so over the top. And what a sad day, again, for American justice. And President Trump posting on X, the Twitter, uh, saying, here it is, mugshot. Uh, and you could see he is just not happy. And nor should he be with this incredible, sad moment in history with the Democrats politicizing what is going on. Well, last night, of course, at the GOP primary debate, which actually I thought turned out to be a little more spirited than 
most people expected. And I think a lot of it was because they were so desperate to, you know, get the attention. There were a lot of them that were all vying for the second place. Because right now, clearly, Trump is dominating in the polls. I bet he's going to go up even more after he has now been booked and mugshotted, if that's a new verb, in uh, Fulton County, Georgia. So every time it seems like he just goes up but up but up but up but up. So I bet he's going to go up again after this. And the dem- the other side, you, lo- you know, they're watching it. They're saying, okay, what's going on? And the Republicans that are there on the debate, too, they're trying to decide, okay, well, who do I have to topple? And I think clearly they felt that Vivek Ramaswamy was the guy to beat. It's interesting because they were seeing the momentum that he was having in the polls, and they barely laid a glove on Ron DeSantis last night. I mean, Ron DeSantis got easy pass. You know, he really did. I He got nobody really, like, went after him. It was like he was kind of non-consequential, if you will. And he had some okay zingers when he talked about border and he talked about a couple other things. And listen, he's had an impressive record in Florida, but he sort of faded into the woodwork last night. He wasn't, I don't think a couple people said that they thought he won, but there's some new polls out that show that they believe Vivek Ramaswamy was the big winner of the night. And that's what I said to all of you when we were watching it. You could just feel it. He had this energy. Um, he was articulate, fresh. Young face, 38 years old, very successful tech, you know, entrepreneur, wrote the book Woke Inc. Um, and just, I think people are looking for change or refreshing, not political sort of slickness. And I think you could see the ones that had been in debates before. That was some of them looked very canned. Some of them were trying to get some oxygen and couldn't get a word in edgewise. But a lot of them also, I thought, brought some pretty good A game. And I think one of the hot moments was Nikki Haley. We're going to play that in a moment with Nikki Haley and Vivek Ramaswamy. That I thought was just like so powerful, the back and forth. But also Chris Christie just kept talking about Trump, 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 Trump. He was like a one-trick pony. He's definitely the more experienced guy, by the way, on the debate stage. He's been there before, Pence too, on the VP stage. But Chris Christie... Everything was like Trump bad, Trump bad. He sounded like Stan, who called before. You know, orange man bad. Uh, here is Chris Christie last night talking about Trump. And this is cut 15 with Christie, where he actually goes after President Trump. You don't think he's going to make it to November of 20? Well, I think he's worse uh, mentally than he is physically. And physically, he's not exactly uh, a triathlete or any kind of an athlete, you look at him, he can't walk to the helicopter, he, he walks, he can't lift his feet out of the grass, you know, it's only two inches at the White House, right, it's not a lot, but you watch him and it looks like he's walking on toothpicks. So that was a comment, uh, basically, that was basically Trump talking about a whole bunch of other stuff too, in the middle of all this, this is one of these wild moments where you're just going, everybody's talking about Trump. He was definitely the focus of all of these different things. And we're going to get Chris Christie in a little bit, you know, but we'll figure that out. But we're going to go to Nikki Haley and also Vivek Ramaswamy. Actually, do we have that? We did, Okay, we're, we're working on it, but we'll, we'll figure it out. If not, we're going to go to Nikki Haley and Vivek Ramaswamy in a little bit, um, because that was one of the more heated moments of the night. 
Um, and that was Trump talking, which, you you know, we're talking about Christy slamming Trump. So we were pretty close. That's not bad. But in terms of Nikki Haley and Vivek, that was one of the big, big moments, clearly, of the debate. And Nikki Haley really took an enormous, enormous swipe uh, at Vivek. You know, Vivek was sitting there going, you know, uh, we should do this. We should do that. Larry called in the last hour talking and Stan did actually about uh, Israel. And there's been some questions about the way that Vivek has responded on Israel, talking about that maybe there needs to be more support of Palestinians uh, and talk and, and basically, you know, diminishing aid there. Also, the way he talked last night about diminishing and cutting off aid for Ukraine. There are a lot of things that a lot of people are saying, whoa, whoa, wait. Um, you know, some people say it makes sense. Some say it clearly doesn't, especially when it comes to Israel and also when it comes to Ukraine, too. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things there. But Nikki Haley goes after him and tooth and nail said, basically, you are a rookie and you are not experienced enough to be able to do this. You are not qualified. And so she really this to me was, I thought, one of her finest hours And I don't think she won the debate, but I think she actually did really, really well. I think she could be one of the people you could consider won the debate because before that, she was sort of losing momentum. She's got amazing talent, you know, a former U.N. ambassador, former South Carolina governor. And she really stepped up to her game, I thought, last night. So here is this moment that a lot of people are talking about with Nikki Haley and Vivek Ramaswamy. A win for Russia is a win for China. We have to know that. Ukraine is the first line of defense for us. And the problem that Vivek doesn't understand is he wants to hand Ukraine to Russia. He wants to let China eat Taiwan. He wants to go and stop funding Israel. You don't do that to friends. What you do instead is you have the backs of your friends. Ukraine is the front line of defense. Putin has said if Russia, once Russia takes Ukraine, Poland and the Baltics are next. That's a world war. We're trying to prevent war. Look at what Putin did today. He killed Pergozin. When I was at the U.N., the Russian ambassador suddenly died. This guy is a murderer, and you are choosing a murderer over, over a pro-American country. First of all, first of all, first of all, Mr. Ramaswamy, you have 30 seconds. Mr. DeSant, you know, Nikki, I wish you well in your future career on the boards of Lockheed and Raytheon. You know, I'm not on but the, the fact of the matter, Boeing came off of it, but you've been pushing this lie. You've been pushing this lie all week, Nikki. You want to go and defund Israel? You want to Okay, let me address that. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm going to address each of those right now. This is the false lies of a professional politician. There you have it. So you the reality make America is, less safe. you have no foreign me, policy experience, and it shows. And you know what? The, the foreign policy experience that you all have shows in the pointless wars we've gotten into. I have to address that. So our relationship with Israel will never be stronger than by the end of my first term. But it's not a client relationship. It is a friendship. And you know what friends do? Friends help each other stand on their own two feet. Wow, that was explosive. And look, Vivek, for his first time debating, uh, came back at her, at least show that he could sort of handle the back and forth. And Nikki Haley really stepped up her game. There's no question about it. Um, by the way, here is also the comment again that we were talking about before. This is Chris Christie at the debate. Uh, and he just, the whole thing was like orange man bad. Here is basically just a little sample of what he said last night. Look, here's the, here's the bottom line. 
Someone's got to stop normalizing this conduct. Okay? Now, and now whether or not, whether or not you believe that the criminal charges are right or wrong, the conduct is beneath the office of President of the United States. And, and, and you know, this is the great thing about this country. Booing is allowed, but it doesn't change the truth. It doesn't change the truth. Mr. Ramaswamy, you and they kept booing him. And in fact, when he came out at the beginning of the night, he got booed. I think before he even said a word, uh, because they knew what his mission was. And even though Trump wasn't there, uh, it was like, uh, orange man bad every five seconds. And that was clearly his foray. So who do you think was the most effective of the night? Who did you think won the night? 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let's go to BJ, line three. BJ, uh, who was the big winner? Who was the big loser? Yeah, Donald Trump was the big winner for not participating in this this horrible uh, barroom brawl that, that was supposed to pass for a, a debate, a civilized debate. Uh, I think Nikki Haley did make some good points. She that quote from Margaret Thatcher, though, revealed her uh, her uh, bias against men. That's my opinion. I think uh, Mike Pence was off the wall. Yeah, you know I what's funny, he, BJ, as a woman, let me just say that I when I heard it, I thought it was kind of like a funny because she said it in a funny way. And and, you know, the thing is, too, BJ, she's also made comments to her credit. She's made comments saying she doesn't want, like, you know, because she's a woman, for them to be talking about her being a woman. She wants people to be talking about her accomplishments. So I sort of thought she kind of said it tongue-in-cheek a little bit, like, you know, like, here's what makes me a little different. Like, as, like, uh, you know, as, as some people, you know, Pence was like, I'm the only one who's been in the Oval Office. I've been in the room. I've been, you know, that was one of her. I, I thought she said it in a little clever way as opposed to, Sort of, uh, you know, like, oh, I can't stand men. Uh, men stink and women are great. I didn't take it that way. <laughs> well, she she has a history of fa- Although having sometimes, to, by to, the way, BJ, I feel that way when Stan calls, but that's a whole other story. But go ahead. Yeah, well, Stan is his own little, his own worst enemy and his own best friend at the same time. He has a big party over there going on in his little head. But, but you know, I don't want to go too much on Nikki Haley. She has a history of having to fight bullies that happen to be male. To be fair to her and she's done it quite effectively and she really this this vivek guy ramalama ding dong whatever his name i don't know who he thinks he is but believe me he has no clue as to what he's doing when he says makes crazy statements like what he's what he said about israel and yeah about that Russia. was right right some of the uh, stuff like you just go what and then he also did you hear bj too last night he talked about like how he wanted to you know okay i want to get rid of department of education i want to get rid of the yeah, irs yeah. i want to get you know i want to wake up and be, uh, you know, seven two tomorrow. You know, I mean, it's like give me a break. Yeah, no, he he's he's not ready for prime time. I I will say this: the most statesmanlike was, in my opinion, was uh, the governor of North Dakota, uh, Doug Burgum. Uh, Doug Burgum. Uh, he tried to advance several points in a civilized fashion, but of course, he was trying to be a serious. Uh, a, a serious debater where he was on the he found himself on the Morton Downey Jr. show 
with all these people screaming. And this guy, Christie, I'm sorry. Years ago, he used to, his big phrase was, well, what we did in Jersey, what we did, now he can't do that because they can't stand him in Jersey. Now his big phrase is, you know, Trump did, you know. We have to stop normalizing this conduct. Well, what were you doing hanging around with him for, for however many years, begging for a job for him? I mean, he's a huge hypocrite, this guy. Uh, the others, they just kind of canceled that. I think, I think Ron DeSantis was pulling back by design. I think he's just letting the other people cancel each other out because he kind of knows he's, he's number two in terms of Trump. Tim Scott, I would have loved to hear from a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, I wanted to hear more from him too, BJ. And, and yeah. you know what? I think, um, in terms of DeSantis, I was wondering that myself, if he's just trying to like sort of sit back and maybe his mission was make no errors, save yeah. the energy, save the sort of attack mode if he's going to go into that for if he gets a chance to go up against Trump, uh, or when it really, but, but I also think the problem you do with that is when you have somebody like a Vivek, even though some of the things he said, like you said, were, you know, were, were out there, Right off the wall, I agree in a lot of the regard. But what I found refreshing is that at least he seemed a little like he's a good communicator. At least he's refreshing. He got out there. He seems like somebody who cares about the country, even if we don't agree with a lot of the ideas and some of his points. Believe me, I, I agree with you on the, the points you took. But I think that you can't uh, like be a weeping willow either, because the problem is going into the debate Vivek was going up in the polls and DeSantis is going down in the polls. And yeah. so uh, the problem is it's hard to turn the course. If you can stay or kind of keep slowly going up, that's different. But he's kind of going down. And I don't know if there was anything last night that will change the course to help him. That's the thing. Um, and, and I think, I think, look, let's see what happens in the next one because yeah. the next one is uh, a harder criteria, which means that some of them won't make it. I mean, if, if it's the same way we saw last night, um, Doug Burgum, who I agree, added some, you know, great points to the debate. He barely made it with 1%. It's 3% for the next debate, which is in September. Um, by the way, I, I, I met Doug Burgum. He's a very smart, really interesting guy. Um, he is very he interesting. Is. And it had a beautiful perspective from states we don't hear from that actually do the work that make this country run. Absolutely. So, absolutely. And to hear it from, uh, like real America and to hear about farming and, you know, it was, it was, I thought it was a, such a powerful addition and a great addition to the debate. We're going to continue. BJ, thank you. Love your analysis. We'll continue after the break. 1-800-848-9222. And we'll continue with your calls, everybody, in a minute. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And we are talking about the debate last night, who won, who lost. Take a listen. Uh, this is Jim Messina. He is the former Obama deputy chief of staff. And this is his assessment. And I rarely agree with uh, a former Obama official, but I agree with this one. Listen. Look, I think last night um, didn't give us the, uh, what the Republicans wanted, which was a, a clear alternative to Donald mm. Trump. No one on that stage last night that you and I could think 
really stood out and started to consolidate the anti-Trump votes. And what's clear after last night is this is Donald Trump's race to lose. He has the largest lead in since the 2000 election in George Bush, who, by the way, won that uh, won that primary. And I saw nothing last night to say there's going to be anyone other than Donald Trump. So do you agree with that assessment? Uh, there's a new poll that was just put out. Um, it was commissioned for the New York Post. And it says that entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy narrowly topped Florida Governor Ron DeSantis as the best performing candidate. That based on their poll, it was narrow, but they said uh, 23% of GOP voters said Ramaswamy won the debate and 21% said DeSantis. Um, Mike Pence, they put as the distant third. I'm not sure if I would have put him as the distant third, but he was 11%. Is that fair or were they watching a different debate than we were? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to, let's go to Tom on line two. Tom, who did you think won and why? Um, I am the blind Vietnam vet that I have spoke to you before. Um, Thank you for your service, by the way, Tom, very much. And, And we just have a few seconds. What did you think from hearing the debate? What were your thoughts? Well, I really think that people need to get off of Nikki Haley's bandwagon. She is not a Margaret Thatcher. She is more of a Neville Chamberlain or a Sarah Sarah Palin. Wow, 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 wow. And, And you know what? I'm not sure. I don't think she won the debate, but she at least had some spunk last night, Tom. And again, Tom, thank you so much for your service. Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment where we honor the great military members and also their families. A really beautiful story coming from beautiful Falls Church, Virginia, where Major Winifred Evans who is a resident of an assisted living community, was honored last week with a living legend proclamation from the Military Women's Memorial in Arlington. At 105 years old, Evans devoted her life to public service as a nurse in the U.S. Air Force. Also, she was in the Peace Corps and also helped the local community in a big, big way. In 1955, Major Evans joined the U.S. Air Force, where she became chief nurse and eventually retired as major. And after joining the Peace Corps in 1962, she traveled to West Africa. She set up immunization centers, vaccinating thousands of children. So what an incredible life and how beautiful to see that she was honored in her assisted living community again at the age of 105. And the executive director of that living community, uh, that assisted living community uh, residents said, quote, acknowledging Major Evans, not just for her sweet demeanor and friendly interactions, would only be the scratching of the surface, as Major Evans is one of the most accomplished women we have ever had the privilege of caring for. 
She is the epitome of a true living legend, and we are proud to call her not only our resident, but also our dear friend. What a beautiful story and how beautiful the love that they have for this incredible historic woman. And wow, 105 years young. Well, we are talking about what I think is aging much of New York, and that's all the migrants that are popping up all over the city. Uh, there were protests tonight at Floyd Bennett Field, which is in the Brooklyn area, and it's right by, you can see it's right by near Rockaway Beach. You know, what could go wrong? A couple thousand uh, unvetted migrant men, you haven't checked their criminal records, you haven't checked their health backgrounds, uh, they're all camped out on this old airfield. And then right across the way is a beach with people in their little bikinis. Uh, I can't see a problem there. Can you? I'm being facetious because, boy, this is just nuts. And now we've had over 100,000 come to New York City. They're also looking at potentially in Staten Island, uh, one of the other boroughs, of course, of New York City. And a great borough at that. I love Staten Island. And they are now fighting tooth and nail uh, to make sure that a new migrant center doesn't go up at an old Catholic school that happens to be about 20 feet from another school that's K through 12. I, I mean, how could this be? This is so crazy. And in the middle of all this, finally, the governor of New York decides to write a letter and she writes it to the federal government. And in the midst of all this, they're not looking at themselves. Remember, they're the ones who said, okay, New York City is a sanctuary city. And now they're wondering why are so many migrants coming here and none of the other outside counties want to take them. They don't want to take them outside of Manhattan because guess what? Outside of the, you know, they're going, wait, 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 wait. We don't want to take them. We don't, we don't have that burden. But why are you doing this? Do you blame them? It's taxpayers expense. They're not vetted. Again, criminally, health-wise, there are so many issues here. And now, this is not a Republican issue or a Democrat issue. This is an American issue. There are so many people there of all ages and all political leanings that are out there saying, not in my neighborhood, not with this enormous price tag, with these amazing security risks. Uh, This is just downright dangerous. And there are so many shelters. There's like about 200 shelters now popping up all over New York City. And so the governor is trying to press so it can go to other counties. Mayor Eric Adams also would like it to go outside of also New York City as well. And who does Governor Hochul blame? She doesn't blame her president, President Biden, with that wide open border that's created this crisis. She blames the governor of Texas. So take a listen to what Governor Kathy Hochul said a little bit ago. It all started at our nation's southern border when Governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, made the despicable decision to load migrants onto buses and ship them out to score cheap political points, treating these individuals as pawns. That is an incredible statement. It all started because the Texas governor decided to bus these migrants because they're so overwhelmed in Texas, and he thought maybe other states around the country would have a bit of a wake-up call to realize what's going on in Texas with a wide-open border. She blames the Texas governor for sending some on buses, not local leaders, not even herself, who telegraphed, hey, everybody's welcome. Come to New York State. And then they wonder why now New York is busting at the seams with migrants popping up everywhere and they're overwhelmed. 
And she doesn't blame her president, who has had so many migrants. They believe it's going to be about 8 million migrants. There was a new number that came out that they believe at the end of like three years of Biden, it will be about 8 million migrants coming in. Illegal migrants haven't been vetted, haven't been checked. This is just unbelievable. This is an an outrage. And it is just a dereliction of duty. And yet she will not call out her commander and chief. So she sends a letter to Biden and not to scold him, just to ask for more help, more money and hurry up and try to get these people work permits so they can work, so they can stay here as opposed to sending them back, as opposed to scolding him. Take a listen to this. That's why today I have sent a letter to President Biden formally requesting immediate executive action in four key areas. First, expedited work authorization so we can get these people out of shelters and into the jobs. Financial support for federal housing vouchers, schools, health care, legal services, case management, and shelter for us to provide to these asylum seekers. The use of more federal facilities to construct new temporary shelters. And reimbursement for the cost of our National Guard, which have been on the ground at these shelters throughout the state since last year. And this was one of the highlights, I thought, for Ron DeSantis as we're talking about the debate last night, the first GOP primary debate. I thought where he was best, and there were moments where I thought he faded into the woodwork. I thought he came out strong at the very beginning, kind of challenging the moderators right away, like say, oh, we don't need a show of hands. That's like a kindergarten. But then there was this moment uh, where he was asked about the border and also, will you finally get tough? on the cartels that are bringing, obviously, human trafficking and also fentanyl at a record pace. And this is where I really did think he was very strong. This, to me, was the highlight, I thought, for Ron DeSantis. Take a listen, and there's a little bit from him last night in the debate. You want to talk about a country in decline? You have the cartels controlling a lot of part of your southern border. We have to reestablish the rule of law, and we have to defend our people The president of the United States has got to use all available powers as commander in chief to protect our country and to protect the people. So when they're coming across, yes, we're going to use lethal force. Yes, we reserve the right to operate. How many more tens of thousands are we going to let to die? I am sick. I've met angel moms throughout this country. I met a lady in in Texas named Tracy, and her son took one Percocet, that was laced with fentanyl, immediately died. That is happening all across this country because of the poison that they are bringing in. So as president, would I use force? Would I treat them as foreign terrorist organizations? You're darn right I would. That was a great moment, and he looked right at the camera and said, I will treat them like a terrorist organization, put in special forces on the other side of the border, time to get tough. Uh, and I say bravo about that. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Dom in Minnesota, line one. Dom, your thoughts. Rita, first of all, Trump should take a page from Greg Abbott uh, on what Biden is convicted. Ask him and Hunter to be put under house arrest in Gracie Mansion to accommodate Kathy Hochul's soft on migrants position. <laughs> Although that's uh, Eric Adams' home, that's Eric Adams' yeah. home. She's uh, she's hanging out uh, in Albany. Yeah, I think I, I called about you know. Thank God I am not walking on toothpicks. Uh, but 
it's a great day in America because it's almost sounded like Stan was rooting for Trump as long as he kept his mouth shut. I'm really amazed at that guy. He t- had to turn around. Yeah, he, he's uh, kind of, un- you know what, Stan is lovable. He, you know, I, you know, there's a lovable edge about him. And, and yeah, you're right, he kind he of is. surprised us all tonight. Yeah, he did. I think Trump will, will be president, either Nikki Haley or DeSantis as VP. Everyone else on the stage except Mr. Toothpick should be on Trump's cabinet. That's what will make the country. Wait, now, who's go the toothpick? Who's the toothpick guy? Is that Vivek? <laughs> toothpick Vivek? Is that where you're going? <laughs> what? Yeah, 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 yeah. Toothpick out of New Jersey. Yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, by the way, I, I want to play this exchange. This is this is cut number one. Um, this was an interesting exchange where where uh, Mr. New Jersey calls Vivek. Chat GPT. I thought he said Chachi at first because he looks a little bit like Chachi, but it was Chat GPT. Uh, listen to this one, Dom, and I'll get your reaction. I've had enough already tonight of a guy who sounds like Chat GPT standing up here. And the last person in one of these debates, Brett, who stood in the middle of the stage and said, What's a skinny guy with an odd last name doing up here was Barack Obama, and I'm afraid we're dealing with the same type of amateur standing on stage tonight. You know, it was interesting, Dom, to Vivek's credit, and we talked about some of the things that he said. He he repeated again. You couldn't hear too well, but it was like, give me a hug, give me a hug, just like you did Obama. Give me a hug. And just like you helped Obama at the White House, you know, which obviously is, is not a compliment on a GOP primary stage, Dom. Yeah, I think because, you know, Mr. Tutik has some serious anger issues. I don't think he should be, he would be a good president. But the real damage I see, Rita, in the short term is the damage to the projection of American soft power around the world. The, but, you know, the liberal channels were gleeful about Trump's mugshot, but at the same time, they were also terrified of Trump's ability to turn any personal negative into an opportunity for a political win. And I don't think any recent leader has aroused this level of loyalty for a candidate, even under such dire circumstances. That's why I am a Trump sycophant all day long. Wow. So you you are not uh, reserved or not hesitant whatsoever and I don't think, um, Dom, that the polls changed whatsoever after last night. I think um, his support is still so strong. And I'm not sure if I saw anybody at the debate last night that changed it, that made people go, oh, well, you know what? Uh, it, it was. I felt like the people last night, sadly, looked like the second tier, almost all of them. And I feel like a lot of them, I, I was looking at them going, well, who could be maybe – you know, the running mate or who could be if Trump gets back into the White House in the cabinet. Uh, I didn't feel like any of them necessarily uh, were that were able to surpass Trump in terms of the presence, in terms of the ability. Uh, and I think uh, that was just reinforced. And if you look at the numbers, I don't think there was anybody who go, oh, wow, wow, wow. Clearly, that's usually you can feel it. Um, and I think just the fact that Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, you know, made as much of a dent as he did and surpassed in some of these new polls. Uh, I think I think DeSantis is having some trouble. He's on a downward trend, and can he turn it around is a big question. Let's go to uh, Donald, line seven. Donald, who did you think won? Uh, hey, well, look, I you know, um, I think... I think it was... It was look, I mean, it, it's a bit counterintuitive, but uh, definitely DeSantis, and, and I'll tell you why. Um, essentially, 
he's he's a bit kind of you know mild mannered Clark Kentish, but but he he presents well you know emotionally physically polite well managed structured he he's someone who comes to the table with uh, and demonstrates um, executive well excellent administrative and executive skills and and he has a huge record and you know Florida is not a postage stamp state and and um and he has he has a tremendous record he has by the way he has a tremendous record but he's got a tremendous record in Florida that's the only issue but 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 I will say to you I I agree he does have a great record in Florida and I also think his JAG background you know look he was a JAG out there, you know, uh, with a lot of the seals. I mean, there's some really like impressive stuff in his background and the story of like how he helped his wife. He's got two young kids. Uh, there's, there's, there's some really impressive things that he's done and he's held true. And I loved his answer when he talked about on the border. I thought that was a great, solid, great answer and a no nonsense answer. But I thought the rest of the time was a little lackluster for him. And not that, not that I'm looking for like bells and whistles. Uh, cause you got a lot of bells and whistles from Vivek, but I think you need something to, to have some spark to inspire people. You know, did you see a Reagan there last night really quick, Donald? Was that a Reagan or is that, uh, you know, or was that, uh, an egg McMuffin? No, I, I think that was a bit, you know, um, Reagan-esque and, and reality is, you know, listen, you, you can't, Punish someone for their their personality. We're we're wired the way we're wired. No, but and you but, uh, but you know what's interesting, Donald? I would say in most roles, and yeah, I, competency is number one. But you got to have a personality that galvanizes if you are president of the United States, because so much of the role of the president is to be the world's greatest ambassador, to be America's greatest ambassador, and you got to inspire a nation. And I feel like we're in really tough times. I mean, we were just talking about. All the stuff that's going on with the migrants, with the migrant shelters, uh, you know, there's economy, mortgage rates are at all time high. People are worried about Russia. They're worried about China so much. You want to have someone who that's why I, I was hoping Tim Scott in a way would be lifting up a little bit last night. He seemed to not really have as much punch as I've seen him in the past, um, but he has like a positive message. And and I think I think we need a little bit of that. And And I don't know if it's in DeSantis. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen this like city on the hill, take charge personality that's charismatic with some of the background that he has. And again, we don't know, you know, we know he's done a great job in Florida. Um, is it, is it maybe early? Does he need to do another term in Florida? And then maybe he might be ready for the big stage or is he ready now? I don't know. You know, Florida, listen, is an important state, but I'm not sure if he popped out of the screen and, and made people say, God, I can't wait to follow charge with that leader. And I think it's tough times. We need someone. By the way, uh, anybody on that stage uh, looks like, um, you know, looks like, uh, you know, Brad Pitt, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and the energy of Tom Cruise and any of the Mission Impossibles, uh, you know, compared to Joe Biden. I'll give you that. That's for sure. 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. Well, it was a spirited debate last night, but there is still about 40 
points. That is an unbelievable domination in the ring by Donald Trump over any of the folks that were in the GOP debate last night, which is why I think they were so spirited because they know the stakes are so high and they got a long way to go. And even though he keeps getting indicted and just a few hours ago he was booked with a mugshot in Fulton County, Georgia, he's still standing. And this is what he had to say afterwards. Has taken place here is a travesty of justice. We did nothing wrong. I did nothing wrong. And everybody knows it. I've never had such support. And that goes with the other ones, too. What they're doing is election interference. They're trying to interfere with an election. And with her saying, I want to start the trial October 23rd. Or why don't I start it right before Super Tuesday? I mean, this has been a case that has been in the works for her for a long time. You wait right before election time and say, oh, let's just happen to bring it now, along with all these others against Trump. And I do think it's going to backfire. I think he's going to stay high in the polls, if not go up even more. And I didn't see anybody last night that could change the dynamic. What about you? What do you think? Let's go to Joe on line two. Joe, what did you think? Well, I think that the debate was an embarrassing hot mess. <laughs> it was a mess. I'll give you that. Just, yeah, and Donald Trump was the big winner. Yeah, I think so, too. Did you see anybody there, Joe, who, like, could give him a run for his money or no? No one, no, no one could hold a candle to Donald Trump. And DeSantis sealed his fate prior to the debate by betraying Trump and running against him. If, if DeSantis had said, I strongly support Donald Trump for president and we'll see you in 2028, he would have been a shoo-in. But yeah. no, I just think I think he really sealed his fate politically by running against Trump, who propelled him to the governor's office. No, that's a great point. And um, I don't think there's some people said, oh, he'll be the VP. I don't think so. I think there's such bad sort of blood and and resentment. And, you know, people feel he's, quote, disloyal. Um, we just have a few seconds. Let's go to Judith. Line four. Go ahead, Judith. Real quick. Hi, Rita. Boy, what do I watch? Let's tell you the music is on whatever. This is a great show tonight. All right, let me just tell you about, let me tell you about Chris Christie. He's such a great role model, right? He's going to tell someone how to have conduct. He's the truth. He stabs everyone in the back. He has no loyalty. I guess that sums it up. Judith, I think that's a no on Chris Christie. (laughs) 